In the early 1930s, a young British lawyer had a remarkable plan of assault to prove that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a clever fraud. Sensing it was the foundation of the faith, he decided to do the world a favor, do the world a favor, by once and for all exposing this fraud and superstition. As a lawyer, he felt he had the critical faculties to rigidly sift evidence and to admit nothing as evidence that did not meet the stiff criteria for admission into a law court today. However, while Frank Morrison was doing his research, a remarkable thing happened. The case was not nearly as easy as he had supposed. As a result, the first chapter in his classic book, Who Moved the Stone, is entitled, first chapter is entitled, The Book That Refused to Be Written. In it, he describes how as he examined the evidence, he became persuaded against his will of the fact of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is a classic book, and if you've never read it, I want to really recommend you get your hands on that and read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. Turn there with me. We're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture. You know, folks, I I understand the way the world is. The world, uh, you know, will believe just about anything but, but the Bible. They've been programmed against the Bible. There's a prejudice there. And I understand that. And some of that is because of hypocrisy. And I understand that. But can I tell you the claims of Jesus Christ are true. The claims of Jesus Christ are absolutely true. And the proof of all the claims of Jesus Christ is the proof that he came back from the dead. This is not fiction. This is not a fable. This is not folklore. This is not wishful thinking, okay? There is more proof of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead than many, many things that we take for granted as part of world history. Many more proofs of it. And we're going to look at some of that today because you need to understand the faith of true Christianity is not a blind faith, It is a faith built on absolute irrefutable facts. And if they're true, and they are, then we are accountable to respond to them in a proper way. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 has a profound statement, and it says this, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. That means empty. That means worthless. If Christ be not risen, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. I'd like to cover three main points this morning. The first is this one, number one, the need for the resurrection. The need for the resurrection. Now, I debated making this the first point or the second point because I know someday there will be skeptics and maybe somebody here today is a skeptic. And you know what? All honest skeptics are welcome. All honest skeptics. Because if you're an honest skeptic and you examine the evidence, you won't be a skeptic for long. You'll see it. But I debated whether I should make the need for the resurrection the first one because somebody will hear that and they say, oh, you see that? Because they saw there was a need, then they came up with the idea. No, dear friend. No, dear friend. That is not the way it is. The need for the resurrection is actually based on our second point, which is the certainty of the resurrection. The certainty of the resurrection proves that the need was met. But let's look at that first one first, the need for the resurrection. You see, the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death. There is a need for resurrection. Why? Because death 
conquers, captures everybody. The wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us that everyone is a sinner with the exception of Jesus Christ. Everyone is a sinner. And because we are sinners, sin has to be paid for. God says there's a death penalty that has to be paid. All right? This is just the way it is. And by the way, it does not go away by ignoring that fact or rejecting that fact. You know, we kind of think, well, you know what? I'll just, I'll just cover my eyes and it'll go away. <laughs> it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. The wages of sin is still death. Sin and death are a reality that must be conquered if we are going to have eternal life and go to heaven. You might want to write this down. The only cure for death is life. There are many reasons we need the resurrection. There is a great need for the resurrection. There's many reasons. The first is this. There can be no satisfactory payment for sin without the resurrection. Now, why do I say that? Because if Jesus is still in the grave, then sin is still the victor. Sin still conquers and captures and defeats every single human being who has ever lived. The problem is not solved if Jesus is still in the grave. I say, well, Jesus died for sins. Yes, but if he didn't come back from the dead, his payment captured him. It accomplished nothing, nothing. If Jesus is still in the grave, that says he was a sinner. If Jesus was a sinner, he can't pay for your sin or mine because he had his own to pay for. But you see, Jesus is God who took on flesh. And when he went to the cross, he paid for our sins as a substitute. He was buried and three days later, he came back from the dead to prove it was done. In Romans chapter four, verse 25, it says this, who, referring to Jesus, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. There can be no satisfactory payment for sin without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the fact that he did die for us and rose from the grave, yes, God is satisfied. How do I know God is satisfied with the payment Jesus made for our sins? Because he brought Jesus back from the dead. And by the way, let me just kind of uh, overburden your mind this morning. Jesus said in John chapter 10 of himself. Now listen, I agree with Paul when he said in 1 Timothy, great is the mystery of godliness. There are things we don't get. There are things we don't understand. Jesus said this, I have power to take my life and I have power to raise it up again. Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. How could somebody who dies bring himself back? Because he's God. I say, I don't understand that. I don't fully understand it either. But I can tell you this, God doesn't die in the sense of cease to exist. He's an eternal being. And the body of Jesus, yes, he died. He literally died physically. But God himself and Jesus as God brought him back from the dead. This is, this is the greatest event of all of history. So there can be no satisfactory payment for sin without the resurrection. So we see the need. But secondly, there can be no forgiveness of sin without the resurrection. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13. You've got to see this. 
What you see in Scripture, if you're a student of the Word of God, what you see in the Gospels, Jesus during the Gospels, he, he had his disciples, they followed him around for three years or so, and he would tell them different things. And, and at one point, there was a turning point. And then in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it's in chapter 12 where he started realizing, you know what, the Jewish people, well, he knew it, but uh, he verbalized. The Jewish people had rejected him. Judgment was going to come, and he started talking over and over and over to his disciples about how he was going to be betrayed and be crucified and come back from the dead. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And yet, you know, it's amazing. Once he did come back from the dead, and we're going to chart some of his ministry after his resurrection in just a moment. But once he did come back from the dead, these men who, by the way, when Jesus was arrested, every one of them fled and forsook him. They were scared. And you know what, folks? Don't blame them too badly because if we were there, we probably would have also. But after his resurrection, those who before the resurrection were cowards after the resurrection became courageous men who all but one of them gave their life in martyrdom. This is amazing. What made the difference? The difference was the resurrection. The difference was the resurrection because it so profoundly changed them that they had a savior who could not be defeated by death, who overcame death and offered life. They knew, hey, we've trusted him as savior. We're the children of God. And if they take our bodies in martyrdom. We live forever with God anyway. And they became courageous witnesses for Christ. It's very interesting as you chart this through the book of Acts, once the day of Pentecost comes, all right, they become courageous witnesses. And by the way, when they explain salvation in the book of Acts, you'll find them always including the resurrection. Always in cute. Why? Because without the resurrection, there's no good news. Without the resurrection, there is no plan of salvation. Without the resurrection, you don't have anything different than every other religion in the world. Acts chapter 13, Paul is preaching and he says, But he, referring to Jesus, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. And then he says, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus, has preached unto you the forgiveness, the sending away, the dismissal of sins. How? By him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Would you look up here for just a moment? Maybe you've never seen anything like this or explained this way. I want to explain to you the most important thing you could ever know in your entire life. Oh, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. This is the most important thing you could ever know. Okay, let me explain it to you. We're all sinners. Let this hand represent you and me. Let this wallet represent our sin. Here we are, we're sinners. Sin separates us from God. You cannot get to heaven with even one sin. None of us can. But God loves us. He hates our sin. Yes, he does. But he loves us. And God says the wages of sin is death. Okay, if we, we, we're the ones who sin, God says the sin payment must be made. And if we do it, we'll spend forever separated from God. But God does not want us to be separated from him. He loves us, hates our sin. And what he did was he took on flesh himself and made the payment for us as a substitute. See, most people think, well, the good works will take away sin. There's not a, a verse in the entire Bible from Genesis through Revelation that says your good works will pay for your sin. Did you know that? A payment for sin has to be made. 
This is why Jesus came, because we could not do it ourselves. And he took on flesh. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took all of our sin upon himself. When he died on the cross, and he paid for all of our sin by shedding his blood, he was buried. And three days later, he came back from the dead to prove it was done. And he says, if you will believe or put your faith in him as your savior, he will give you as a free gift, everlasting life. All the work was done on the cross. All God asks you to do is to believe or trust in him as your savior. Look at it. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things, all things, all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's the commandments. Those are keeping the commandments. Do you believe today that you're going to go to heaven by keeping the commandments? If you believe that, let me ask you this. Have you kept all the commandments? If you're honest, you'll say no. Well, the Bible says none of us can. We're all guilty. We're condemned. That's why Jesus came because we could not be justified by the works of the law. When you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, he gives you as a free gift, everlasting life. He says he'll never lose you, he'll never cast you out. But why would you trust him as your Savior if he's still dead? That'd be like trusting in a rock, okay? Or trusting in a statue. That's foolish. No, we have a living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that we have the need for the resurrection. Why? Because there can be no satisfactory payment for sin without the resurrection. Because there can be no forgiveness of sin without the resurrection. God cannot forgive you or me if Jesus didn't come back from the dead. Why? Because we don't have a Savior. Because he fell prey to his own sin if he wasn't God in the flesh. And therefore, no one can offer us a way out. And third, there can be no salvation of any kind without the resurrection. God cannot, folks, listen, God cannot just let sin go. People think that today. Well, you know, you know God, God doesn't like sin, and you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's hell and this and that, and, and there's you know, judgment and all that, but people have the mentality. But you know what? When people die, people have this mentality. They think this. Well, you know, when they die, God will say, Ah, come on in. It's okay. I was just trying to keep you in line with that. No, friend. God's pleading with us. Put your faith in Jesus Christ because you have to have a payment for your sin before you die. You must trust, have a solution to your sin before you die. And the only solution is Jesus Christ. You must trust him as your savior. Because if you die without him and him alone as your savior, not yourself, not your good works, but him, his work, If you die without having accepted the payment Jesus made for your sins, you'll be lost forever. No second chances, by the way. I heard someone say a while back, they said, well, you know, you know, God, uh, no one will go to hell if they're sincere. I heard somebody say that. And as long as they're sincere and they've got a sincere heart, God will let them in. No, no, he can't. He can't. Jesus Christ must be trusted as Savior if you're going to get into heaven. There is no other way, okay? There is no other way. God cannot just let sin go. It must be paid for. The resurrection is proof that it has been paid for. That's the good news. That's the good news. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never 
die. And then the question of the ages is what? Believest thou this? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Not, well, is it a nice idea? No. Do you believe that? Because there is no hope outside of that. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. In the context of the fact that Jesus Christ didn't come back from the dead, there is no hope. Verse 22, it says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You notice how we're made alive? In Christ, not in ourselves, but in Christ. So first we see the need for the resurrection. Jesus needed to come back from the dead because without him coming back from the dead, we have nothing more than another religion and we're wasting our time. But secondly, we see the certainty of the resurrection and I get so excited about this. Okay, this is not wishful thinking on our part, but the absolute fulfillment of the miracle of the resurrection on God's part. This is not us saying, well, you know, this is what we want to believe. A lot of people think that. If you believe it hard enough, if you believe something hard enough, that becomes fact. No, it doesn't. If you believe something that's false, it's false, regardless of how hard you believe it. I can jump to the moon. 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 If you believe it, you can achieve it. No, you can't. Get a life, friend. It's wishful thinking, but that's a fairy tale. That's a fairy tale, not this. Believe and you can achieve, that's the fairy tale because there are some things you can never achieve regardless of how hard you believe it. No, we have a fact in the resurrection. Look with me to Acts chapter one. The book of Acts is written by Luke. Luke by trade was a physician. So I was telling our kids in school this week, when I was growing up, there was a series on TV, it was called Dragnet. Any of you remember Dragnet? It's not the most encouraging name for a program, Dragnet. You never know what you get in your net. But anyways, Dragnet. And the chief character on there was Joe Friday, okay, Sergeant Joe Friday. And he was just very cut and dry. Uh, he was played by a guy named Jack Webb. Maybe that's why they call it Dragnet, Webb, Drag, anyways, Dragnet. But um, his thing, he'd be on a case and he'd be interviewing and they'd be going on, going on. And he would say, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. That's what he just the facts, just the facts. Our faith is built on the facts. It's not make-believe, it's not fiction, it's not a TV program, it is fact. Dr. Luke was a man who dealt with facts, okay? He was very cut and dry, all right? Dr. Luke... He has the Gospel of Luke. If you read the Gospel of Luke and then you go right into the book of Acts, they just fit together perfectly. The book of Acts is like Luke 2, all right? Acts chapter 1, he says this, the former treaties, of verse 1, the former treaties, referring to his gospel, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, focus, folks. Let's focus on verse 3. It says, to whom also he showed himself alive. Don't just read over that. He showed himself alive after his passion, referring to his death. How did he show himself alive? By many 
infallible proofs. Don't stop there. Being seen of them 40 days and the next word, speaking. After his resurrection, he was seen of his disciples for 40 days. And part of what he was doing during that period was speaking. Listen, this is not a hallucination. Some of your books that don't believe in the resurrection, well, they were having hallucinations. They ate something bad or, you know, they're having bad dreams or they had sunstroke or, you know, they're on on the lake of uh, Gennesaret too much or something or another. No, friend, it is a fact. He came back from the dead. His disciples saw him for 40 days. Do you understand how long that is? Verse 3, many infallible proofs. Not just one proof, many infallible proofs. It is not an uncertain truth. It is an obvious, indisputable one. We would use the phrase today, his resurrection, as far as it being a factual, definite thing, is like a slam dunk, Okay? It wasn't a struggle, it was an absolute, yes, this is it. That was his resurrection. There was no question about it. You see, it completes his plan of salvation for mankind. This is why God sent Jesus into the world in the first place, was to die for our sins, but we had to know it was done. And God says, yes, I'm satisfied. I'll raise my son from the dead. Indeed, that's exactly what he did. Look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Luke says there are many, many infallible proofs. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. This is considered the great resurrection chapter. Center stage in this great resurrection chapter is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he, without him, folks, there is no resurrection. There is no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, you go the way of the squirrel or the rabbit. This morning on our way in, we saw Peter Rabbit down here on County Road 8. Here comes Peter, cotton. (laughs) That's it. Gone. Nothing but fur blowing in the breeze. You know what? When you die, it isn't your body just laying there. When you die, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. There is life after death. That's one of the things Jesus proved when he came back from the dead. There's life after death. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. You notice, he died for our sins, he was buried, he rose the third day. That's the gospel, that's the good news. That was the full payment, satisfactory payment for our sins. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 5, and that he was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, then of the twelve, verse 6, after that he was seen, look at this, Above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. Verse 7, after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, verse 8, and last of all he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. You see, he died and was buried. He rose from the grave and he was seen. Look at our text here. Verse 5, he was seen. Verse 6, he was seen. Verse 7, he was seen. Verse 8, he was seen. Pastor, what are you saying? He was seen. 
This is a fact. This is not a fable. This is not fiction. This is not some new religion that people came up with. Folks, he was seen. Death could not hold him in the grave because he had conquered death and therefore can offer life to you and me. It is indisputable. He was seen over and over again. He was seen of them and he interacted with them for 40 days after he came back from the dead. You thought about it? That's almost five weeks. He was interacting with people for almost five weeks after he came back from the dead. These are not idle words on a page. This is as strong a proof of anything that there is. His body was a real body. He talked, he walked, he cooked for them, he ate with them. You see, if the resurrection wasn't true, all of these eyewitnesses easily could have denied it. But they didn't. It simply emboldened their faith because they knew it was true. And it changed their lives. They saw the Lord after he was raised from the dead. They certainly would not have died for a lie. You might say, well, wait a minute. There are people who die for religions that are false today. Yes, they do die for religions that are false today. You might say, well, then what's the difference? Let me tell you the difference. People are believing something that's been made up in the past. These are situations, these are eyewitness people. They themselves saw the facts of it. It was not something years in the past that people are saying, well, just just believe, just believe, just believe, no proof. No, these people, they had eyewitness proof of it. Let me say it goes further than that. Matthew chapter 28 verse 5, and the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. This is right at the grave. And what does the angel say? He is not here. He is risen. And he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Don't you just get a kick out of the skeptics? who deny the resurrection, they'll say, well, you know what? The reason he wasn't there is because they went to the wrong grave. Don't you think the angels would have told them that? Listen, folks, that is so, that is lame. That is so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's foolish. And the harder people try to disprove the resurrection, the more foolish they look. You can't disprove it. Why? Because it's the truth. That same night, by the way, he appeared again to them. I want you to see this. Look with me to Luke 24. If you're not familiar with these things, where these things are in the Bible, that's okay. We're projecting these verses up on the screen to let you see it. The key, friend, is that you see it. The key is that you understand what's at stake here. The key is that you understand what we're talking about is not a religion among many. We are talking about the way, the truth, and the life. This is it. You might say, well, 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 don't you have respect for all the other religions in the world? Listen, I have respect for people having the freedom to believe what they want, but no, I don't respect all the religions the same. There's only one thing I truly respect, that's biblical Christianity, because it is an absolute fact. See, all the other ones are based on you can earn your way to heaven by doing good deeds. Every other religion is based on that. Only true Christianity is based on Jesus did all the work, You're saved by grace through faith apart from good works. Good works don't save. Good works don't keep you saved. Only true Christianity teaches that. All the other ones are based on some sort of works. Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucianism, 
whatever. All the even quote-unquote Christian religions are based on works. True Christianity is based on the work of Christ, not the work of man. Luke 24. Luke 24, just for the sake of time, I won't go over the whole story here. Jesus came back from the dead, and then there were some disciples. They were walking on the road to Emmaus. So Emmaus wasn't that far from Jerusalem, but they were walking discouraged, and uh, he appears, and he starts walking with them, and they start conversing back and forth, and, and they say, well, you know, aren't you aware of what, what took place recently? He says, well, what, what, is, what are you talking about? And then they start explaining it. They didn't know it was Jesus they're talking to. And so they're explaining, you know, he was a great man and, and all the different things that took place. And then in verse 25, he says this to them, and he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see, the resurrection of Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament. Did you know that? O fools, and slow of heart to believe that all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Who was telling these disciples these things? The resurrected Christ. Jesus Christ was giving them a Bible study on the road to Damascus. The risen Christ. And he says, listen, the Old Testament scriptures, they're talking about me. Later he appears to the other disciples. Jump down to verse 36. So they were speaking. And all of a sudden in the room, look what takes place. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. I think he needed to say that. All of a sudden he's there. It wasn't like he knocked at the door and they let him in. He just, there he is. Peace be unto you. Watch this, verse 37. But they were terrified and affrighted. And suppose that they had seen a spirit, and he said unto them. By the way, did you notice verse 36? Jesus himself stood in the midst. He saith unto them, verse 38, and he said unto them. This is not a hallucination. This is a person. Why are ye troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Look what he says. Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Look what he says. Handle me. Behold my hands and my feet. Handle me. Touch me. And see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. The word show is the idea of he exposed these things to them. He literally showed them. Here, look, look. Handle me. Go ahead. We're not done. Verse 41. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he saith unto them, I love this. Have you here any meat? Hey, you guys have any food? Verse 42. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb. Verse 43. And he took it and did eat before them. He's alive. He came back from the dead. He's real. He's talking, he's walking, he's teaching. He's inviting them to touch him. He's eating their food. John chapter 21, he cooked for them on the beach. Folks, there's a need for the resurrection. Without it, there's no forgiveness of sins. There's the certainty 
of the resurrection. There is no question Jesus came back from the dead. Remember, Dr. Luke, just the facts, sir. Just the facts. Well, he's telling us the facts. And then it leads us to our last point, the fruit of the resurrection. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 once more. The fruit of the resurrection. What is the fruit of the resurrection? Everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, power over sin in our daily lives, looking to the future with joyful anticipation and not fear. What did we sing this morning? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. You Christians, you better be, you know, this is, this is happening in the world, by the way, as we speak. You Christians, you better shut your mouth or else we'll take your life. And maybe some of them are saying, would you? Would you? I'm going to speak about Jesus until he takes me home. And if he does it by your hands, it's just sooner I'm there. How can you say that? Because there's life after death because Jesus came back from the death. That's why. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Just because he lives. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. You see, the resurrection produces confidence in our lives. Can I say this morning, folks, on a personal level, if I seem somewhat on the, on the excited side, this gets me excited. Listen, if the resurrection, if you're a Christian, you say, yeah, the resurrection, oh my, yeah, yeah, bro, that's really something. If that's your attitude, you're not thinking, honestly. Can I just boil this down? The resurrection solves everything, everything. There's not one thing we could ever face now or in eternity that the resurrection doesn't solve. That's why it's so important. Produces confidence in our lives. You see, first, I can have confidence in being a witness for Christ. I can get up and I can boldly share this message with you this morning, telling you there is good news for you. It comes from the hand of God himself. He has provided eternal life through the work of his son on the cross. And if you'll simply put your trust in him, he'll save you forever. He'll forgive you of all your sins, past, present, and future. You're guaranteed a home in heaven. He'll never lose you. He'll never cast you out. Listen, I'm not making that up. This is the message of the Bible. And it's all based on the resurrection. He's the only one who's come back from the dead. He proved to be who he said he was. He proclaims that he is the only way. And he is. He's the only one who has conquered death. And therefore the only one who can offer life. That's why Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You notice it's the power of God unto salvation. What's the condition? To everyone that believes. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ to receive salvation. I can have confidence in facing life's trials. For the believer, this life is as bad as it'll ever get. This is as bad as it gets for the believer. 
All of our trials, folks, are temporary. Let's get that. Some of you are suffering physically. Some of you are suffering emotionally. Okay, maybe the loss of a loved one. Maybe this situation, that situation. Maybe there's something that's happened to you recently that has shattered your life and you're saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know if, if I can go on or, or listen, you can. Jesus Christ will come alongside you. He will help you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. How do I know that? Because we have a risen Savior. He's alive. That's how I know that. And if you've trusted Christ as Savior, the Lord is your Father. He's going to take care of His kids because He loves them with an everlasting love. All suffering, all trials are temporary. Romans 8 verse 18, Paul says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Not worthy to be compared. Lastly, I can have confidence in living my life for Christ, knowing that there is wonderful reward for the faithful believer in heaven. Now listen, every believer will go to heaven. Why? Because it's not based on our works, it's based on the work of Christ. But for the Christian who lives for the Lord, lives his life for Christ, there's great reward awaiting us. Listen, if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, there is no life after death. There's none of that. We're in the great resurrection chapter here. Look at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says in verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's victory in Christ. Therefore, based on the fact that there's victory in Christ, that he has conquered death and offers life, that in him is life, and in him there's no defeat. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because we have a risen Savior, that's why. Because it's real, it's true. You can believe it, you can bank on it. Dare I say today, you can put all your eggs in one basket. Look at these next verses with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I invite you today, dear friend, to put your faith in Christ, to receive eternal life, which he is offering to you as a gift. You know, uh, many of you who are here today, you came this morning, you had a delicious breakfast with us. It didn't cost you one thing. All you did was receive it by faith. It was bought and paid for by someone else. Eternal life is the same way. It doesn't cost you anything. It was bought and paid for. Oh, wait, the breakfast cost money, but somebody else paid the price. Wait, eternal life costs something, but someone else paid the price. That was Jesus. He paid the price and he rose from the grave to prove it was done. And he offers you today eternal life as a gift. It's not by your works. Look at it. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is God's unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not Jesus and me that gets me to heaven. It's Jesus that gets me to heaven. He's the Savior. I'm not the Savior, and neither are you. You can't save yourself. Would you today put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? This is the best news you will ever hear. Friend, if you die without Christ, and you'll stand before God one day, you'll never be able to say, you know what? I never heard it. No one ever told me. 
And the Lord will say, oh, yes, you were told. Remember back on April 16th, 2017, service at Northland Bible Baptist Church? You were told. Well, you were told. Would you trust Christ today as your Savior? You're not promising anything. You're not promising to become a member of the church here or anything. You're simply saying, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. I know that. And I am so glad Jesus died for me and paid for my sins. And I'm putting my faith in him to get me to heaven. And if you will, he will save you forever. He'll give you eternal life. That's why it's called the gospel, because it means good news. And it is good news. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.